This is Jeffrey Bridges, executive producer of Pendant Productions, presenting Act Two of Othello and the Pendant Shakespeare, a collection of the works of William Shakespeare. Thanks for listening. The following audio drama is rated PG for pretty good. You should experience lots of explosions with no body parts and a couple of swears. Parents should be ready to cover their ears. Attention. Radiation levels from cosmic phenomena have risen 49%. A level 5 advisory is in effect. What from the Cape can you discern at sea? Nothing at all. It is a high rot flood. I cannot, twixt the heaven and the main, descry a sail. Methinks the wind hath spoke aloud at land. A fuller blast ne'er shook our battlements. If it hath ruffian so upon the sea, what ribs of oak when mountains melt on them can hold the mortis? What shall we hear of this? A segregation of the Turkish fleet. For do but stand upon the foaming shore, the chin and billow seems to pelt the clouds, and the windshake surge with high and monstrous mane seems to cast water on the burning bear, and quench the guards of the ever-fixed pole. I never did like molestation view on the chafed flood. If that Turkish fleet be not in sheltered and embayed, they are drowned. It is impossible they bear it out. Who's lads? Our wars are done. The desperate tempest hath so banged the Turks that their designment halts. A noble ship of Venice hath seen a grievous wreck and sufferance on most part of their fleet. How? Is this true? The ship is here put in, a Veronessa. Michael Cassio, lieutenant to the warlike Moor Othello, has come on shore. The Moor himself at sea, and is in full commission here for Cyprus. I am glad on't. Tis a worthy governor. But this same Cassio, though he speak of comfort touching the Turkish loss, yet he looks sadly and prays for the Moor to be safe, for they were parted with foul and violent tempest. Pray heaven he be. For I have served him, and the man commands like a full soldier. Let's to the seaside, ho. As well to see the vessel that's come in as to throw out our eyes for brave Othello, even till we make the main and the aerial blue an indistinct regard. Come, let's do so. For every minute is expectancy of more arrivals. Thanks, you the valiant of this warlike isle that so approved the more. Oh, let the heavens give him defense against the elements, for I have lost us him on a dangerous sea. Is he well shipped? His bark is stoutly timbered, his pilot a very expert and approved allowance. Therefore, my hopes, not surfeited to death, stand in both pure. A sail! A sail! A sail! What noise? The town is empty. On the brow of the sea stand ranks of people, and they cry, A sail! My hopes do shape him for the governor. They do discharge their shot of courtesy, our friends at least. I pray you, sir, go forth and give us truth who tis that is arrived. I shall. But, good lieutenant, is your general wived? Most fortunately. He hath achieved a maid the paragon's description and wild fame. One that excels the quirks of blazoning pens and, in the essential vesture of creation, does tire the engendered. How now? Who has put in? Tis one Yago, ancient to the general. Has had most favorable and happy speed. Tempests themselves, high seas and howling winds, the guttered rocks and congregated sands, uh, traitors and steep to clog the guiltless keel. As having sense of beauty, do omit their mortal natures, letting go safely by the divine Desdemona. What is she? She that I spake of, our great captain's captain, left in the conduct of the bold Iago, whose footing here anticipates our thoughts a sudden night's speed. Great Jove, Othello guard, and swell his sail with thine own powerful breath, that he may bless this bay with his tall ship, make love's quick pants in Desdemona's arms, and give renewed fire to our extincted spirits, and bring all Cyprus comfort. Behold, the riches of the ship is come on shore. Ye men of Cyprus, let her have your knees. Hail to thee, lady, by the grace of heaven before, behind thee, and on every hand, and wheel thee round. I thank you, valiant Cassio. 
What tidings can you tell me of my lord? He is not yet arrived, nor know I aught, but that he's well, and will be shortly here. Oh, but I fear. How lost you company? Uh, the, the great contention of the sea and sky is part of our fellowship. But hark! A sail! They give their greeting to the citadel. This likewise is a friend. See for the news. Good ancient, you are welcome. Welcome, mistress. Let it not gall your patience, good Iago, that I extend my manners. Tis my breeding that gives me this bold show of courtesy. Sir, would she give you so much of her lips as of her tongue she oft bestows on me? You'll have enough. Alas, she has no speech. In faith, too much. I find it still when I have list to sleep. Mary, before your ladyship, I grant she puts her tongue a little in her heart and shades with thinking. You have little cause to say so. Come on, come on. You are pictures out of doors, bells in your parlors, wildcats in your kitchens, saints in your injuries, devils being offended, players in your housewifery, and housewives in your beds. Oh, fie upon thee, slanderer. Nay, it is true, or else I am a Turk. You rise to play and... Go to bed to work. You shall not write my praise. What wouldst thou write of me if thou shouldst praise me? Oh, gentle lady, do not put me to it. For I am nothing if not critical. Come on, say. There's one gone to the harbour. Aye, madam. I am not merry, but I do beguile the thing I am by seeming otherwise. Come, how wouldst thou praise me? I'm about it. But indeed my invention comes from my pate as bird lime does from freeze. It plucks out brains and all. But, but my muse labors. And thus she is delivered. <clears throat> if she be fair and wise, fairness and wit, the one's for use, the other useth it. Well praised. How if she be black and witty? If she be black, and thereto have a wit, She'll find a white that shall her blackness fit. Worse and worse. How if fair and foolish? She never yet was foolish that was fair. For even her folly helped her to an heir. These are old fond paradoxes to make fools laugh in the alehouse. What miserable praise hast thou for her that's foul and foolish? There's none so foul and foolish thereunto but does foul pranks, which fair and wise ones do. Oh, heavy ignorance! Thou praisest the worst best! But what praise couldst thou bestow on a deserving woman indeed? One that, in the authority of her merit, did justly put on the vouch of very malice itself. She that was ever fair and never proud, had tongue at will and yet was never loud, never lacked gold and yet went never gay, fled from her wish and yet said, Oh, now I may. She that being angered, her revenge being nigh, bade her wrong stay and her displeasure fly. She that in wisdom never was so frail to change the cod's head for the, the salmon's tail. She that could think and ne'er disclose her mind, see suitors following and not look behind. She was a white. If ever such white was... To do what? To suckle fools and chronicle small beer. A most lame and impotent conclusion. Do not learn of him, Amelia, though he be thy husband. How say you, Cassio? Is he not a most profane and liberal counsellor? Uh, he speaks home, madam. You may relish him more in the soldier than in the scholar. He takes her by the palm. 
Aye, well said, whisper. With as little a web as this will I ensnare as great a fly as Cassio. Aye, aye, smile upon her, do. I will jive thee in thine own courtship. You say true, aunt, oh, is so indeed. <laughs> if such tricks as these strip you out of your lieutenantry, it had been better you had not kissed your three fingers so oft. Which, now again, you are most apt to play the Surian. Oh, very good. Well kissed. An excellent courtesy. Tis so indeed. <laughs> Yet again, your fingers to your lips. Would they were cluster pipes for your sake. The more. No, his trumpet. Tis truly so. Let's meet him and receive him. Lo, where he comes. Oh, my fair warrior. <laughs> my dear Othello. It gives me wonder great as my content to see you here before me. Oh, my soul's joy. If after every tempest comes such calms, may the winds blow till they have wakened death. And let the laboring bark climb hills of seas Olympus high and duck again as low as hells from heaven. If it were now to die, were now to be most happy, for I fear my soul hath a content so absolute that not another comfort like to this succeeds an unknown fate. The heavens forbid but that our loves and comforts should increase, even as our days do grow. Amen to that, sweet powers. I cannot speak enough of this content. It stops me here. It is too much of joy, and this... And this, the greatest discords be. Mm. That's ere our hearts shall make. Oh, you are well tuned now. But I'll set down the pegs that make this music, as honest as I am. Come, let us to the castle. News, friends, our walls are done. The Turks are drowned. How does my old acquaintance of this isle? Honey, you shall be well desired in Cyprus. I have found great love amongst them. Oh, my sweet, I prattle out of fashion, and I dote in mine own comforts. I prithee, good Iago, go to the bay and disembark my coffers. Bring thou the master to the citadel. He is a good one, and his worthiness does challenge much respect. Come, Desdemona, once more, well met at Cyprus. Do thou meet me presently at the harbour. Come hither. If thou beest valiant, as they say, base men, being in love, have the nobility in their natures more than is native to them, list me. The lieutenant tonight watches on the court of guard. Oh, first, I must tell thee this. Desdemona is directly in love with him. With him? Why, it is not possible. Lay thy finger thus, and let thy soul be instructed. Mark me with what violence she first loved him more, but for bragging and telling her fantastical lies. And will she love him still for pretty? Let not thy discreet heart think it. Her eye must be fed. And what delight shall she have to look on the devil? When the blood is made dull with the act of sport, there should be again to inflame it and to give satiety a fresh appetite. 
loveliness in favor, sympathy in years, manners and beauties, of which the more is defective in. Now, for want of these required conveniences, her delicate tenderness will find itself abused, begin to heave the gorge, disrelish and abhor the more. Very nature will instruct her in it and compel her to some second choice. Now, sir, this granted, as it is a most pregnant and unforced position, who stands so eminent in the degree of this fortune as Cassio does? A knave very voluble, no further conscionable than in putting on the mere form of civil and humane seeming for the better compassing of his salt and most hidden loose affection? Why, none! Why, none! A slipper and subtle knave, a finder of occasions that has an eye can stamp and counterfeit advantages. Though true advantage never present itself a devilish knave. Besides, the knave is handsome, young, and hath all those requisites in him that folly and green minds look after. Pistol and complete knave! The woman hath found him already. I cannot believe that in her. She's full of most blessed condition. Blessed fig's end. The wine she drinks is made of grapes. If she had been blessed, she would never have loved him more. Blessed pudding. Didst thou not see her paddle with the palm of his hand? Didst not mark that? Yes, that I did. But that was but a courtesy. Lechery by this hand. An index and obscure prologue to the history of lust and foul thoughts. They met so near with their lips that their breaths embraced together. Villainous thoughts, Rodrigo! When these mutualities so marshalled away, hard at hand comes the master and main exercise, the incorporate conclusion, pish. But, sir, be you ruled by me, I have brought you from Venice. Watch you tonight. For the command, I'll wait upon you. Cassio knows you not. I'll not be far from you. Do you find some occasion to anger Cassio, either by uh, speaking too loud or, or tainting his discipline or from what other course you please, which the time shall more favorably minister? Well, sir, he is rash and very sudden in color and haply may strike at you. Provoke him that he may. For even out of that will I cause these of Cyprus to mutiny, whose qualification shall come into no true taste again but by the displanting of Cassio. So shall you have a shorter journey to your desires, by the means I shall then have to prefer them, and the impediment most profitably removed, without the which there were no expectation of our prosperity. I will do this. If I can bring it to any opportunity. I warrant thee. Now meet me by and by at the citadel. I must fetch his necessaries ashore. Farewell. Adieu. That Cassio loves her, I do well believe it. That she loves him, tis apt and of great credit. The more, howbeit that I endure him not, is of a constant, loving, noble nature. And I dare think he'll prove to this Demona a most dear husband. Now, I do love her too. 
not out of absolute lust, though peradventure I stand accountant for as great a sin, but partly led to diet my revenge. For that I do suspect the lusty moor hath leaped into my seat. The thought whereof doth like a poisonous mineral gnaw my inwards, and nothing can or shall content my soul till I am evened with him, wife for wife, or failing so, yet that I put the more at least into a jealousy so strong that judgment cannot cure. Which thing to do, if this poor trash of Venice, whom I trash for his quick hunting, stand the putting on, I'll have our Michael Cassio on the hip. Abuse him to the more in the hand garb, for I fear Cassio with my nightcap too. Make the more thank me, love me, and reward me. For making him egregiously an ass and practicing upon his peace and quiet even to madness. Tis here, and yet confused. Never is plain faces never seen till used. Good Michael, look you to the guard tonight. Let's teach ourselves that honorable stop, not to outsport discretion. Iago hath direction what to do, but notwithstanding, with my personal eye will I look to it. Iago is most honest. Michael, good night. Tomorrow with your earliest, let me have speech with you. Come, my dear love. The purchase made, the fruits are to ensue. That profit's yet to come between me and you. Good night. Welcome, Iago. We must to the watch. Not this hour, Lieutenant. It is not yet ten of the clock. Our general casteth thus early for the love of his Desdemona, who, let us not therefore blame, he hath not yet made wanton the night with her. And she is sport for Jove. She's a most exquisite lady. And I'll warrant her full of game. Indeed, she's a most fresh and delicate creature. What an eye she has. Methinks it sounds a parley of provocation. Oh, an inviting eye. And yet, methinks right modest. And when she speaks, is it not an alarm to love? She is indeed perfection. Well, happiness to their sheets, eh? Come, Lieutenant. I have a stoop of wine, and here without are a brace of cypress gallons that would fain have a measure to the health of Black Othello. Not tonight, good Iago. I have very poor and unhappy brains for drinking. I could well wish courtesy would have met some other custom of entertainment. Oh, they are our friends. 
but one cup. I, I'll drink for you. <sighs> I have drunk but one cup tonight. And that was craftily qualified, too, and behold what innovation it makes here. I am unfortunate in the infirmity, and dare not task my weakness with any more. What, man? Tis a night of revels. The gallants desire it. Where are they? Here, at the door. I pray you, call them in. <sighs> I'll do it, but it dislikes me. If I confess in but one cup upon him, with that which she hath drunk tonight already... He'll be as full of quarrel and offense as my young mistress's dog. <laughs> now, my sick fool Rodrigo, whom love hath turned almost the wrong side out, to Desdemona hath tonight caroused potations, puddle deep. But he's to watch. Three lads of Cyprus, noble, swelling spirits that hold their honors in a weary distance, the very elements of this warlike isle. Have I tonight flustered with flowing cups? And they watch too. Now, amongst this flock of drunkards, am I to put Arcesio in some action that may offend the isle? Aha, but here they come. If consequence do but approve my dream, my boat sails freely, both with wind and stream. Woo! Poor God, they've given me a rouse already. Good faith, a little one. Not past a pint, as I am a soldier. Some wine, ho! Oh. And let me the canakin clink, clink, and let me the canakin clink. A soldier's a man, a life's but a span, why didn't let this soldier drink? <laughs> Some wine, boys! <laughs> For God, an excellent song. I learned it in England, where indeed they are most potent in potting. Your Dane, your German, and your swag-bellied Hollander, uh, drink, ho, are nothing to your English. Is your Englishman so expert in his drinking? Why, he drinks you with facility, your Dane, dead drunk. He sweats not to overthrow your Almain. He gives your Hollander a vomit ere the next bottle can be filled. Uh, the health of our general. I am for it, Lieutenant, and I'll do you justice. Oh, sweet England, King Stephen was a worthy peer. His breeches cost him but a crown, he held him sixpence all to the ear. With that he called the tailor lown, he was a white of high renown. And thou art but of low degree, tis pride that pulls the country down. Then take thine old clock about thee. <clears throat> Some wine, oh, ho! Oh. <laughs> Why, this is a more exquisite song than the other. <laughs> Will you hear it again? <laughs> No, for I hold him to be unworthy of his place that does those... Uh, things. Well, <laughs> God's above all, and there be souls that must be saved, and there be souls must not be saved. It's true, good lieutenant. For mine own part. No offense to the general, or any man of quality. I hope to be saved. And so do I too, lieutenant. Aye, but by your leave, not before me. <laughs> The lieutenant is to be saved before the ancient. Let's have no more of this. Let's do our affairs. Forgive us our sins. Gentlemen, let's look to our business. Do not think, gentlemen, I am drunk. This is my ancient. This is my right hand. And this is my left. I am not drunk now. I can stand well enough and speak well enough. Excellent well. Why, very well, then. You must not think, then, that I am drunk. To the platform, masters. Come, let's set the watch. 
You'll see this fellow that is gone before. He is a soldier fit to stand by Caesar and give direction. And do but see his vice. Tis to his virtue a just equinox, the one as long as the other. This pity of him. I fear the trust Otello puts him in on some odd time of his infirmity will shake this island. But is he often thus? Tis evermore the prologue to his sleep. He'll watch the horologe double set if drink rock not his cradle. It were well the general will put in mind of it. Perhaps he sees it not, or his good nature prizes the virtue that appears in Cassio and looks not on his evils. Is not this true? Oh no, Rodrigo. I pray you, after the lieutenant, go. And tis great pity that the noble Moor should hazard such a place as his own second with one of an engraft infirmity. It were an honest action to say so to the Moor. Not I for this fair island. I do love Cassio well and would do much to cure him of this evil... But, Hark, what noise? Help! Help! Rascal! What's the matter, Lieutenant? A knave teach me my duty. I'll beat the knave into a twig and bottle. Beat me? Dost thou prate, rogue? (laughs) Nay, good Lieutenant, I pray you, sir, hold your hand. Let me go, sir, I'll knock you o'er the mazard. Come, come, you're drunk. Drunk? Away, I say. Go out and cry a mutiny. Good lieutenant. Alas, gentlemen. Help! Oh! Lieutenant, sir. Montano, sir. Help! Here's a goodly watch indeed. Who's that who rings the bell? Diablo, hold it down, rise. God's will, lieutenant, hold! You will be shamed forever. What is the matter here? Since I bleed still. I am hurt to the death. Hold for your lives! Hold, hold! Lieutenant, sir, Montano, gentlemen, have you forgot all sense of place and duty? Hold, the general speaks to you. Hold, hold for shame! Why? How now, hold? From whence ariseth this? Are we turned Turks, and to ourselves do that which heaven hath forbid the Ottomites? For Christian shame! Put by this barbarous brawl, he that stirs next to car for his own rage holds his soul light. He dies upon his motion. Silence that dreadful bell. It frights the eye of no propriety. What is the matter, masters? Honest, Iago, that looks dead with grieving, speak. Who began this? On thy love I charge I, thee. I do not know. Friends all but now, even now in quarter... In terms like bride and groom, divesting them for bed. And, and then, but now, as if some planet had unwitted men, swords out and tilting one at other's breast in opposition bloody. I cannot speak any beginning to these peevish odds, and would in action glorious I had lost those legs that brought me to a part of it. How comes it, Michael, you are thus forgot? <sighs> I pray you pardon me, I, I cannot speak. Worthy Montano, you will want to be civil. The gravity and stillness of your youth the world hath noted, and your name is great in mouths of wisest censure. What's the matter that you unlace your reputation thus and spend your rich opinion for the name of a night brawler? Give me answer to it. Worthy Othello, I am hurt to danger. Your officer, Iago, can inform you while I spare speech, which something now offends me. Uh, of all that I do know... 
nor know I aught by me that said or done amiss this night, unless self-charity be sometimes a vice, and to defend ourselves it be a sin when violence assails us. Now, by heaven, my blood begins my safer guides to rule, and passion, having my best judgments collide, assays to lead the way. If I once stir, or do but lift this arm, the best of you shall sink in my rebuke. Give me to know how this foul rout began. Who set it on? And he that is approved in this offense, though he be twinned with me, both at her birth, shall lose me. What, in a town of war, yet wild, the people's hearts brimful of fear, to manage private and domestic quarrel, at night and on the court and guard of safety? Tis monstrous. Iago, who began? If partially affined or leagued in office, Thou dost deliver more or less than truth, thou art no soldier. Touch me not so near. I had rather have this tongue cut from my mouth than it should do offence to Michael Cassio. Yet I persuade myself to speak the truth shall nothing wrong him. The thus it is, General. In Montano and myself being in speech, there comes a fellow crying out for help and Cassio following him with determined sword to execute upon him. Sir, this gentleman steps into Cassio and entreats his paws. Myself the crying fellow did pursue, lest by his clamor, as it so fell out, the town might fall in fright. He, swift of foot, outran my purpose, and I returned the rather for that I heard the, the clink and fall of swords, and Cassio high in oath, which till tonight I ne'er might say before. When I came back, for this was brief, I found them close together at blow and thrust, even as again they were when you yourself did part them. More of this matter I cannot I report. But men are men. The best sometimes forget. Though Cassio did some little wrong to him, as men in rage strike those that wish them best, yet surely Cassio, I believe received from him that fled some strange indignity, which patience could not pass. I know, Iago, thy honesty and love doth mince this matter, making it light to Cassio. Cassio, I love thee, but never more be officer of mine. Look, if my gentle love be not raised up, I'll make thee an example. What's the matter? All's well now, sweetie. Come away to bed. Sir, for your hurts, myself will be your surgeon. Lead him off. Iago, look with care about the town, and silence those whom his vile brawl distracted. Come, Desdemona. Tis the soldier's life to have their balmy slumbers waked with strife. What? what are, are you hurt, Lieutenant? I passed all surgery. Mary, heaven forbid. Reputation, reputation, reputation. Oh, I have lost my reputation. I have lost the immortal part of myself. What remains is bestial. My reputation, Iago, my reputation. As I am an honest man, I thought you had received some bodily wound. There is more sense in that than in reputation. Your reputation is an idle and most false imposition oft got without merit and lost without deserving. You have lost no reputation at all unless you repute yourself such a loser. 
What, man, there are ways to recover the general again? You are but now cast in his mood, a punishment more in policy than in malice. Even so, as one would beat his offenseless dog to affright an imperious lion. Sue to him again, and he's yours. I will rather sue to be despised than to deceive so good an officer with so slight, so drunken, so indiscreet an officer. Drunk, and speak parrot, and squabble, swagger, swear, and discourse fustium with one's own shadow. O oh, thou invisible spirit of wine, if thou hast no name to be known by, let us call thee devil. What was he that you followed with your sword? What had he done to you? I know not. Is it possible? I remember a mass of things, but nothing distinctly. A quarrel, but nothing wherefore. Oh, God, that men should put an enemy in their mouths to steal away their brains. That we should with joy, pleasance, revel, and applause transform ourselves into beasts. Why, but you are now well enough. How came you thus recovered? It hath pleased the devil drunkenness to give place to the devil wrath. One unperfectness shows me another, to make me frankly despise myself. Come, you are, are too severe a moraler. As the time, the place, and the condition of this country stands, I could heartily wish this had not befallen. But, since it is as it is, mend it for your own good. I will ask him for my place again. He shall tell me I am a drunkard. Had I as many mouths as Hydra, such an answer would stop them all. To be now a sensible man, by and by a fool, and presently a beast. Oh, strange. Every inordinate cup is unblessed, and the ingredient is a devil. Come, come, good wine is a good, familiar creature, if it be well used. Exclaim no more against it. And good lieutenant, eh? I think you think I love you. I have well approved it, sir. I, drunk. Huh. You or any man living may be drunk at the time, man. I'll tell you what you shall do. Our general's wife is now the general. I may say so in this respect, for that he has devoted and given up himself to the contemplation, mark, and denotement of her parts and graces. Confess yourself freely to her. Importune her help to put you in your place again. She is of so free, so kind, so apt, so blessed a disposition. She holds it a vice in her goodness not to do more than she is requested. This broken joint between you and her husband entreat her to splinter. And my fortunes against any lay worth naming, this crack of your love shall grow stronger than it was before. You advise me well. I protest in the sincerity of love and honest kindness. I think it freely. And the times in the morning, I will beseech the virtuous Desdemona to undertake for me. I am desperate of my fortunes if they check me here. You are in the right. Good night, Lieutenant. I must do the watch. Good night, honest Iago. <laughs> and what, what's he then that says I play the villain? When this advice is free I give and honest, probable to thinking, and indeed the course to win them more again. For it is most easy the inclining Desdemona to subdue in any honest suit. 
She's framed as fruitful as the free elements. And then for her to win the more? Or to renounce his baptism, those seals and symbols of redeemed sin, his soul is so infettered to her love that she may make, unmake, do what she list. Even as her appetite shall play the god with his weak function. How am I then a villain to counsel Cassio to this parallel course directly to his good? <laughs> Divinity of hell. When devils will the blackest sins put on, they do suggest at first with heavenly shows, as I do now. For whilst this honest fool plies Desdemona to repair his fortunes, and she, for him, pleads strongly to the moor, I'll pour this pestilence into his ear that she repeals him for her body's lust, and by how much she strives to do him good, she shall undo her credit with the moor. So will I turn her virtue into pitch, and out of her own goodness make the net that shall enmesh them all. Oh no, Rodrigo! I do not follow here in a chase, not like a, a hound that hunts but one that fills up the cry. My money is almost spent. I have been tonight exceedingly well cudgeled. And I think the issue will be I shall have no much experience for my pains. And so, with no money at all and a little more wit, return again to Venice. How poor are they that have not patience? What wound did ever heal but by degrees? Thou knowest we work by wit, and not by witchcraft. And wit depends on dilatory time. Does not go well. Cassio hath beaten thee, and thou, by that small hurt, hast cashiered Cassio. Though other things grow fair against the sun, yet fruits that blossom first will first be ripe. Content thyself a while. By the mass till morning, pleasure and action make the hours seem short. Retire thee, go where thou art billeted. Eh? Away, I say. Thou shalt no more hereafter. May get thee gone. Two things are to be done. My wife must move her Cassio to her mistress. I'll set her on. Myself the while to draw thee more apart, and bring him jump when he may Cassio find soliciting his wife. Aye, that's the way. Dull not device by coldness and delay. The Pendant Shakespeare, also known as the Wild Bill Variety Show. Othello, Act 2, featuring the voice talents of Jason R. Wallace as Iago, Dave Morgan as Cassio, David Alt as Montano, Karen Hamer as Desdemona, Vincent Morrison as Othello, Paul Brueggemann as Rodrigo, Mindy Rast Keenan as Emilia, Andrew Bundy as the First Gentleman, Jesse Wade as the Second Gentleman, and Chris Morgan as the Messenger. 
Written by William Shakespeare. Adapted for audio by Colin Kelly and Catherine Pride. Script analysis and dramaturgy by Catherine Pride. Directed by Colin Kelly. Assistant director Landon Bell. Music composed by Elaine Packins of Aylan.org. A-Y-L-A-H-N.org. Shakespeare theme by Pavel Zook of pavelzook.com. Produced by Pendant Productions. This production is copyright 2013, Pendant Productions. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.